Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. I love him so much. Don't you? Praise God. Romans chapter 5. We're going to continue this morning talking about you hold the reins. It's a sermon series. This will be the fourth installment, praise God, in which we're talking about the authority of the believer. Glory to God. And if you've been with us, we've uh, taught you for a couple of sessions. We had an abbreviated session last time, uh, last Sunday. But we've, we've shown you from the Word, and we will again today, that we were made by God for dominion. We were not made to be slaves. We were not uh, made to be uh, oh, encumbered or chained up or oppressed to any degree. Uh, but we were made by God for dominion, for authority. And uh, God, once He uh, launches out into a plan, that plan will never be changed. It will be fulfilled. Otherwise, you'd have to say God planned something, but He failed. And He never failed. Well, when God created Adam in the beginning, He created him, male and female, the Bible says in Genesis. And He said, right? He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over everything that creeps upon the earth. Amen? And so do you see there, God made Adam in the beginning to have dominion. To say it very simply, God... Uh, made the earth in a habitable state. It was all made ready. He planted a garden in the east. He called it Eden, and there He put the man. Right? And He put the man, now when I say the man, I mean male and female, mankind, Adam and Eve, He put them in charge. He put them in charge. And uh, we know because of the fall that Adam messed that up. He fell. And he turned over the dominion that God had given to him to the devil, to Lucifer. And that is the moment that Lucifer became the God of this world. We may look at that scripture uh, today. We'll see the God little g of this world. And again, I said at the very outset of this series, if you'll stay with me, if you'll listen, if you'll get your heart engaged, if you'll pay attention, this could be. The most, one of the most important life-changing truths that you will ever hear in your life as a Christian. We are all blessed and privileged men and women, boys and girls today to be here and to continue to hear what we're about to hear. Because every thinking human being, saved and unsaved, who's looking around in this world and paying attention, who believes that there's a God on high, has questions. What in the world is going on? Hello. What in the world is going on? We're boasting and celebrating this morning at the goodness of God as we should. And yet we look around us and there's so much that's not good. The hospitals are full. You have to spend 30 minutes looking for a parking place. The nursing homes are busting at the seams. You can't build a rehab center fast enough before all the beds are filled. We have whole cities that you can't, like San Francisco, you can't go there 
If you're smart and you go there, you have to get a map to steer you around the piles of human feces, homelessness, and needles to just go walk around what I understand used to be a beautiful city. Tent communities that would boggle the mind in modern cities like L.A. and so forth and so on. Sex trafficking, human enslavement, hunger, death, tragedy, natural disasters. I mean, if you're paying attention, what in the world is going on? God did not make it like this. This is not the will of God. And God, if it's bad, God hadn't had anything to do with it. If we really want to know, and, and listen, it's right. If you're, it's, it's okay to be a thinking person. Who's to blame? Who is to blame? Well, there's somebody to blame. We are to blame. Our first parents are to blame. Adam sold us all into the curse. He sold the entire human race into sin and death and satanic enslavement. And now Satan has held the keys of this planet. Y'all are listening, right? And he is the author of death and chaos and oppression and enslavement and sickness and disease and poverty and tragedy of every kind. He's the author of these things. Now Adam, he did not have a moral right to do what he did. But do you know he had the legal right to do it? This, this is why, why. How come God let this happen? God is a legal God. God must because He is just. He works within a, a legal framework. Satan is a thief. He doesn't limit himself to being moral, ethical, or legal. He will flat violate you. He does not care. But God is just and good and right and holy. And from a legal point of view, Adam had the right because God gave Adam dominion and Adam made the decision. And God honors that decision. Now thank God that He enacted a plan of redemption. We call Jesus, and rightly so, our Redeemer. What is a Redeemer? To redeem means to ransom or to buy back. It means to buy back. So see, Adam sold us all out, but Jesus bought us back. Come on, that's the essence of the gospel. That is the essence of the good news. That our lives, uh, Satan required a ransom, a death for our sin, for our rebellion, for our wrongdoing. And Jesus provided the payment. He took our place in sin. He took our place in the curse. He climbed up on the cross for Noah. For me, for you, praise God. And He took our place. He ransomed us. He redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. Why? Because God's plan will never fail. It will never be undone. Man and Satan threw a monkey wrench in it, but God has made a way. Here in Romans chapter 5, we're a long way from Genesis and from the things we just outlined. But we see here a wonderful verse, the 17th verse, where Paul said, 
For if by one man's offense, death reigned by the one. Talking about Adam, Adam's one offense. Notice because of one man's offense, death reigned or ruled or took dominion over all men. Much more than they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what shall they do? They shall reign in life by the one, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So uh, Satan is still... Let me show you the scripture so you, you don't think I'm just making this up. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> I'm just going to begin reading in verse number 1. Paul says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but, uh, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel, if our good news is hidden, it is hidden to them who are lost. You could add the word to those who are enslaved. Amen. To those who are still under the dominion of the devil. Now notice, in whom, talking about in whom, the ones that are lost. Verse 4, notice this phrase, underline it, don't ever forget it. The God of this world. See, I know you heard it. I know you've probably maybe sang songs about it in churches. God's in control. God is in control. Listen, God is not in control of this planet right now. He's not. It's a Bible fact. If, if it were not true, this verse would be a lie. And if this verse is a lie, somebody tell me what pastor's going to do. Go back to drinking beer. I have scripture for that. Paul said, if it be not true, let us eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die like everybody else. Hallelujah. This would be a lie. In whom the God of this world, what has He done? Blinded the minds of them which believe not. Notice those who have yet to receive Jesus, their minds are blinded. And you can talk to them and they'll state things and they sincerely think they're right and true. But they're blinded. They are blinded to their condition. The devil's got some of them convinced that his team is the fun team. The winning team. Where, the where it's happening crowd. Who wants to be around them church folks? He's blinded the minds of people. Yeah. And, and until they receive Jesus, they're not going to see the full truth. You're not going to convince them. 
devil's got an influence of them. Are you with me? But I want you to see, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest, see what's Satan trying to avoid, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. This is why we've got to tell it, friends. This is why we have to tell it. Hey, brother, have you heard the good news? Yeah, I heard that Jesus. No, that no. Have you heard that Adam fell and all this turmoil came because of that? Amen. But you could be freed. Right? Hallelujah. To be able to articulate in some simple terms what happened in the garden, what the consequences were, What's going to happen to a person who stays in that condition? And what God did about it? What did God do about it? That's the gospel. What did God do about man's plight? What did He do about it? And what does that mean for me today? Hallelujah. Being able to articulate that in very simple terms is the essence of the gospel. Praise God. Uh, Go over with me. I'm going to take time. I'm going to do it. I hadn't thought I would, but I will. Go over to Luke uh, chapter 3, I believe. I I want you, you you have to see who's running things down here. Now, listen, the devil's running the world, and I'm in the world, but he ain't running me. (laughs) That's what's so exciting about this message. Because I've been redeemed. And if you've received Jesus, you may not have really known it, but you've been redeemed. And you've been redeemed from more than just hanging on until you get your little cabin in the sky. No, you're redeemed now. You've been delivered now. (laughs) Luke chapter 3. Glory, glory. No, it's 4, chapter 4. And Luke chapter 4, in the beginning, uh, takes account of the devil uh, and Jesus going at it. And the devil came to Jesus to tempt him in the wilderness. You remember that? And uh, one of the temptations we want to point out, uh, verse number 5, it says, And the devil taking him... Now remember who the devil is. He's the God of this world. What's that mean? The God of this world system. The God of, or in other words, the God of this age, the God of this world has come to Jesus and he took Jesus up into a high mountain and showed unto him, notice this, all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. Can you get, can you get the picture? And the devil said to him, all this power. Will I give you and the glory of them? For that, what's that? All of the kingdoms of the world and their glory have been delivered unto me, he said. I'll give it to you if you will bow down and worship me. Now, Some have wrongly said in commenting on this passage that Satan lied about it. But he didn't. 
If he lied about it, he really didn't have all the kingdoms of this world and the power of them. It wouldn't have been a temptation. It would not have been a legitimate temptation. He would have dismissed it out of hand. I'm not falling for that bluff. No, but listen, the God of this world in that moment showed Jesus all the kingdoms of this world and their glory. What do you mean, and the glory of the kingdoms? What would the glory of this world be? What would, what would Hollywood call the glory of this world? The riches, the political power, the influence, the fame, the notoriety, the stuff. He showed Jesus all that. And he says, all of it I will give you. For, notice that phrase, it has been delivered unto me. Well, when were all the kingdoms of this world and their glory delivered into his hand? You getting it? In the garden. Adam turned it over to him. Did you get it? Adam gave it to him. That's the day it was delivered to him. And since that day up until now, it's still true. He's the God. He has. Where's all the money at? He's got it. The lion's share of it. And see, this is why, this is why you must embrace the prosperity part of the gospel. See, he wants all the money. Because down here, money's where all the power is. See, if the church had money, oh my goodness. Think about it, if the church had money, we could just buy out. We wouldn't even have to talk them into it. We just buy every ungod. We could just go to the every, every uh, a strip joint in town and say, name your price. What's it going to take? Write him a check. Shut that down. Just shut it down. I just buy it to shut it down. Buy every, uh, every ungodly, buy up all the TV time. Just buy it all up. There'd be nothing but goodness coming out. Nothing but the gospel going out. Nothing but wholesome, real wholesome family kind of thing going out. See, Satan doesn't want that. He wants all the money. He doesn't want us, that. He doesn't want us to have any money. He wants the church broke. He wants the church poor. He wants the church mocked. He wants the church ridiculed. He wants the church unpopular. He wants the church hated by the world. But I'm redeemed. And you're redeemed. From the hand of the enemy. Hallelujah. And we're going to get ours for God. We're going to get ours for us. Amen. People think nothing about, you know, an ungodly person driving a Mercedes. Come on. But soon and very soon. I don't know if it'll be a Mercedes, but the Cody's are going to have us a luxury car. Hallelujah. Not to make, we're not, it's not going to make us nothing different. It's just going to get us, get us where we need to go. But we'll be, we want to be an example. And if nothing else, some drug dealer won't be driving that one. Right? Hallelujah. You ought to have that same mindset. 
Okay, but do you see my point? You see my point. Who's in charge down here? Right. And you have to learn how to live down here. Right? The thief comes, Jesus said, to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I've come that you might have life. That you might have the God kind and the God quality of life. Abundantly, John 10, 10. Abundantly, abundantly, abundantly. <laughs> but notice he said, he did, Jesus did not say, I've come and you're going to have life whether you like it or not. No, he said, I've come that you might. What's the word might mean? It means you might. But you might not. Now, I want to live as far away, Brother Russell, from might not as possible. Right? But the word might, what's that mean? It means I have something to say about it. I have something to do about it. Are you with me? So this is why, you see, this will untangle, it, it'll heal hurts, this truth. God, God hasn't caused one miscarriage. Not a single one. He didn't fail. He didn't uh, take some action that caused some tragedy in your life. Some bad thing to happen to you. If something was lost or stolen or destroyed, Satan did it. You see, we need to know who's to blame. And it's okay to be angry sometimes. It's okay to be angry sometimes. Somebody's to blame for this mess. Well, let's just lay it right at the feet of the devil. And church, let's make him pay. Let's make him pay. There's a scripture in Proverbs says that when a thief is found out, he has to pay back. He must restore up to seven times what he stole. Even to the whole of his house. Let's just make him empty it out. Praise God. How are we going to do that, Pastor? You're going to have to learn how to walk in spiritual authority. You're going to have to learn that you have it and how to use it. Are you with me? Oh, praise God. And so, gosh, at 12.02, that brings me to where I wanted to start. Gosh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Give me just a minute here. Praise God. I, I wanted to take time and to answer um, authority over what? Authority over what? Or the scope of the believer's authority. Let me, let me just say a few things uh, to you. Let's, are you there in Luke? Is that where you're at? It wouldn't take time to look, just turn to the 10th chapter. To the 10th chapter. So the short, long and short of the gospel is Jesus came as a man to undo what Adam did. He calls himself the door. So a door will lead you out and a door will lead you in. Jesus is the door out from underneath Satan's oppressive dominion. So that the God of this world is no longer your God. And instead, God is God. And God is your God. And Jesus is Lord. And listen, there is no neutral ground, friend. 
Satan's either going to be your God and he's going to dominate your life. Or you're going to submit yourself to the Lord. You cannot be neutral. You cannot be neutral. You have to choose. Come on, choose Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, uh, praise God. In verse number 1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also. Meaning disciples, right? And listen, lest you think this spiritual authority is only for the twelve, aren't you glad this passage is in here? He said, unto seventy others also. We don't even know their names. They're certainly not apostles. They are disciples. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. And they went, verse 17. And the seventy returned again with joy, not with depression, not with disillusionment, because it didn't work. But the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, this is what you must receive as truth to you today. Behold, I give unto you authority. It should be translated authority. Power. Power to do what? To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. The Lord just spoke and you'll be glad he did in my heart. I'm just going to leave this and just get ready to close and I'll just make a comment because there's no way I can get through that material before your bellies start rumbling. Hallelujah. But let me just reiterate this point. There is nowhere in the Gospels or in the New Testament epistles where you find any instruction given to Christians to pray to God about the devil or about your problems, to appeal to heaven or to God for, for Him to do something about the devil that you're dealing with. Not one scripture, not one example, not one hint of instruction. You read through the book of Acts, you will never find Peter talking to God, asking God to do something about the devil who put him in prison. Remember my example last week about you do something about it? Here's what we must understand, friend. If you, as a Christian, don't use your authority that was delegated to you by the Lord Himself and do something about the devil, nothing will be done. Nothing will be done. You will live as if you were still a slave. You will be redeemed, but you will live live as if you weren't. Instead of being told to talk to God, asking God, if we just pray hard enough, God will do something about our problems. The Bible says things like this. Submit ye yourself, therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Who will he flee from? Flee from? You. He will flee from you. If you resist him. But if you don't resist him, there won't be any fleeing going on. 
But if you resist Him, actually you've got to do something else first. There's a whole sermon coming on this, so come back. Amen. Submit to God. See, people want all the kingdom cookies, but they don't want to bow their knee to nobody. Bless God, I ain't going to have anybody tell me what to do, especially no preacher in some church. See, you're, that's, what, kind, what spirit is that more like? Where, where's that coming from? That's old satanic residue attitude that you better deal with. Because this authority we're talking about will not work if you're not submitted to God. And can I say, you're not properly submitted to God until you're submitted to a pastor. Because God gave people pastors. And I mean really submitted. You know, I came here, I thought I was real excited at first, but you know, the more I'm here, I just don't really like the way he operates. Well... You know, Brother Jerry and I, Brother Jerry will never have an opportunity to submit to my pastoral authority until he and I disagree. You understand that, right? Amber would never be submitting to my authority as the leader of the family if we're in total harmony and perf- you know, perfect agreement about our decision. That means we agree. There's no submission there. But when she disagrees, you know how long most people stay in a church? Until the first time they disagree. And then they want to go out on their own and want to bind the devil. And the devil whips their hide because as long as you're acting like him, he's still your Lord. You're giving Him permission. Come on, when we think like Him, when we talk like Him, when we act like Him, we have the same attitude as Him. He's going to be the one moving in our life. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. He will flee from you. He will flee from you. He will flee. He will flee. That means depression will flee if you resist it. Hopelessness will flee away. It will run away from you if you'll resist it. Poverty. Chronically not having enough will flee. That's of the devil. And it will flee away from you. It will run. It'll pick up its little skirt and run away if you will resist it in Jesus' name. That pain, that disease. Come on. That, that, stop whining to God about it and do something. Do something. Because, listen, friend, no. If you don't do something, nothing will be done. Nothing will be done about your marriage. Nothing will be done about your 
mind, nothing. Nothing will be done about your health. Nothing. Well, pastor, pray for me. I have been. <laughs> right? And I will. But you got to do something. Come on, how many of you, you could say you got some area in your life that it's like enough's enough. Enough is enough. Enough. Some of you, things will change if you will just flat put your foot down and say, I'm done with that. I'm done with low-level thinking. I'm done with poverty. I'm done being sick. I'm done having an oh, woe is me attitude. I'm done playing the victim. I am nobody's victim. Not another day. I will never again let my gender, my background, my circumstances, my skin color be an excuse for me. When the Bible says that I am a king and a priest. When the Bible says I am born from above. That I am the head and not the tail. That I am above and not beneath. That I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. <laughs> Come on. No more. No more. Watching the enemy run amok in my household. No more. No more. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I can't tell if you're getting it or not. Glory to God. See, it's got to become, it can't just be head knowledge. You have to, I've been praying for you. It's got to register on your heart as a revelation. Praise God. I am who He says I am. My God, it's past time for me to stand up and act like it and talk like it. Hallelujah. And be who He said I was. Amen. You totally, totally change your paradigm, your mindset. Summerall said you should approach every single circumstance you face with strength. You hold the reins, believer. You're steering the ship. I know it just feels like we just had an introduction and... Now church is over, and that's about right. But uh, I just trust that we did say some things that needed to be said. It's got to, you got to have that down in you. I, now listen, I'm about to leave here just like you. And I'm going to go live in a world where Satan is God. But listen, I, I've got this to a degree figured out. Every place that the sole of my foot doth tread belongs to me. It's why, you know, Satan fought us so much when we bought land. He hates a Christian owning land. That's part of the earth that he, he's not the God of anymore. Right? Seven year battle with the devil over this piece of ground right here. But he lost. He lost. And we're going to turn it into, oh my gosh. Right? 
I mean a, a hospital, an oasis, a lighthouse, a school. Satan is not God here. He ain't God here. He shouldn't be God where you're living. Dr. Jacob says, when I come into a hotel room, no matter where I am around the world, first thing I say is I drop my bag and said, let the peace of God fall in this room. And I don't care what's happened in this room before now, every demonic spirit and entity, you got to go. Because for the next three, four, or five days, whatever it is, this is my house. Hallelujah. Come on, you can stand up this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know what's happened in your past, but, but I, know, I know that there's a lot of heartache that happens in humans' lives. I, I, I'm not immune, my wife and I, to some of the things that happen. You know, the first child we conceived is not here, was not born. And we wept over that. We sorrowed over that. We were tempted to ask, why, oh God, why over that? But it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. Whatever you have thought is God's fault, ain't God's fault. So just be right with God. Just be okay with God. He's big enough to handle it. It's not like His feelings are hurt. But live in the light of the knowledge of the truth. Amen. And be empowered. Be empowered. Faith is the victory that overcometh what? The world we're living in. See, if God was in charge of it, we wouldn't need our faith to overcome anything in the world because God, and listen, He is coming back. And one day, He's going to be, Jesus Christ is going to be the God of this world. But that hadn't happened yet. And as long as it happened, you're going to be the one to have to go out and do something about it. Amen. Father, in the name of